0: Today, I wanted to share with you the things that I've learned in the months of November, December, and almost half of January. The overarching theme is that life happens. There's often things that are beyond our control that we have a choice about. We have a choice in terms of how we're going to respond, what we're going to do next or not do next, and how we're going to handle it. And I had a whole mixed bag of this in the last two and a half months some health challenges for me and my family, some decisions we needed to make that we hadn't really planned on spending a lot of time on, possibly changing schools, health insurance, a lot of unexpected things that that took a lot of time and added a lot of stress. So as I've said before, I think one of the goals to overall success in life is the ability to restart. So when things get off track, knowing what you're going to do to get back on track, or at least making that attempt to get back on track. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time to realize that you're actually off track. And that requires, I guess, a sense of increasing awareness or learning from those times when you go off track. Say, oh, how will I know when I end up here again or what the signs are that I'm headed in that direction? As you listen today, I'd love it if you would just kind of tuck into the back of your head any thoughts or ideas on how to increase the impact of this podcast. I received a challenge at the end of last year that I didn't originally take very seriously from a listener. Uh, That challenge was to go bigger and deeper with the podcast in 2019. I have never really thought of the podcast as a revenue producing activity. I think it's very subtle in terms of how this podcast reaches people and how that turns into revenue for my business. And so I don't approach it from the mindset of, ooh, if I create this episode, it'll create money. That's just not really why I started it, and it's really not a big motivator or like a primary driver behind why I do the podcast. So sometimes I feel like it gets deprioritized in my workflow and the, I don't know, sense of urgency to getting it out. Although being consistent is something that's important to me and shipping on a regular basis. So if you have ideas, please send them to podcast at johnpolster.com. And I will thoughtfully consider anything you send my direction. November was an extremely busy and smooth, for the most part, month until it wasn't. We went to Arizona for a week of Thanksgiving, which we started to do. It's nice to kind of escape the gloominess, rain, cold, damp Portland, Oregon fall. So we did that. And a year ago, actually, and I've shared this with some people in coaching a year ago, when we went on the same trip, I came home from that trip, kind of dissatisfied, kind of angsty, kind of frustrated. And what I had realized in hindsight was that I hadn't honored any of my values on that trip. And so this time, I learned from that experience and very much put into play some of my values and making sure that I had activities and things that would honor them. So in the category of mastery, I did some stuff with audio production. I had my laptop. I took an hour here, an hour there to play around with Logic Pro and building out my podcast production process and enhancing it there. I also spent some really fun time with GIMP uh, creating a photo collage for a vision boardy vision, vision boardy, a vision board type thing that I was developing as a result of a book I was reading. Did some reading, exercised, uh, and also loss of peace and tranquility, which is something I really love. What took me completely off track and by surprise was two or three days after we got back from that trip, some bodily stress, uh, signals, started to show up in predictable places to remind me that, well, you may think you're doing okay here, but you're running pretty full out and it's taking a toll. And so as a result, I rallied the different alternative health providers that I see to get in for last minute appointments and that kind of got me headed back in the direction, but not as quickly as I had hoped. And so that brought about the whole notion and reminder of mindset. I'm not in what I would consider an ideal state. What am I going to do about that? How am I going to continue to show up? I learned an amazing uh lesson from one of my clients where we had an in-person meeting. I was definitely off my game in terms of scheduling the meeting and then just showing up to the meeting. I knew I wasn't in my best. I wasn't the best version of me per se. But it was great to just say, I'm bringing the best me I can bring today given the circumstances and then to be fully present to that and then to learn from feedback from the client that they actually appreciated that, that that was actually helpful to them. This notion that I have off days too and I don't have it all together and spoiler alert, I don't. But I guess to bring that in a A way that I think the words that they used was, I owned it. I didn't make any excuses for it. I kind of stated that, you know, this is what's going on. Here are the circumstances. And then made the best attempt I could to honor the agreement that I had with them. And I think it turned out all right. This idea of mindset showed up in a number of different places. It seemed like every book that I happened to pick up or was in the process of doing something with mentioned it. So here are some of those books. Uh, Shift Your Mind, Shift the World by Steve Chandler. Your Best Year Ever by Michael Hyatt. I haven't quite finished that book. There's a lot of good stuff in that book about habits and planning your year. I didn't quite finish it. I'm not sure if I will. Another one called The Serving Mindset by Farnoosh Brock. She was interviewed recently on the Productivityist podcast. I'll link to that. Another book called The Happiness Equation by Neil Pasricha. And then The Path to Personal Power by Napoleon Hill. I'll link to all those if they're of interest, but it was just kind of uncanny that this idea of mindset was popping up in all these different places. Now, the fact that I was in the middle of so many different books also was a problem that I'll speak to in a little bit. The reason that mindset is so, so critical is that what I'm finding over and over and over again is that our minds can either bring us up or bring us way down based on the story that we're telling ourselves. I've also been playing a lot with this idea that I'm seeing in a few different places that our thoughts create our feelings. And I can say from past experience that the more I dwell on certain thoughts, the more it will take my feelings in a particular direction. So... Given the choice between ruminating on things that I'm afraid are going to go bad or won't turn out well and focusing my attention on what could I do to make this better and focusing my efforts in that direction, I find that that can make a huge difference in where my energy levels go, what gets done, how I feel about a particular situation, all those good things. They probably also heard the notion that if you think you're going to fail, you probably will. So kind of along that same line, what's your mindset here? Is your, is your mind set up in a direction and focused in a direction that you're going to win and that you're going to succeed? Or is it focused on how bad the situation is or could be versus making it better? my experience is when you go down the negative path at a certain point, you kind of hit a point of no return and then you get sucked into the swamp and it takes a really long time to get out of it. And so a lot of the work that I've been doing recently is to actively manage and be aware as much as I can. And it's hard of what I'm thinking about and what I'm focusing on. And if I start to see it headed into And not so helpful direction to intentionally try to course correct on it. Another theme that kind of popped up out of the middle of nowhere, but then was reinforced in several different ways, was the notion of getting really clear financially. Now that I'm running my own business and am not relying on the steady, predictable arrival of a paycheck, that's become increasingly important for my wife as we look at our money each month to figure out what's coming in, what's going out, and how does the future look? This also came up through a potential coach that I was looking to do work with. We were having just a kind of a casual conversation around where I was and what was going on. And in the course of that, he spoke very directly, kindly Uh, and bluntly to, you know, what are the things that you need and want here? And you've got a pretty big gap. What are you going to do about this gap? And how are you going to fill that gap? And that was really, at first it was just this obvious sense of like, yes, I know there's a gap there. We need more money. But then there was just, there was something that happened in terms of, him saying it out loud or repeating back some of the words that I had said that stuck with me in a kind of new and different way. And so this resulted in additional conversations with my wife. Some of those were surprising. Some of them were depressing. Some of them were hopeful, but it was this whole idea of just really getting in touch with reality. Like this is reality. This is what we know today. This is what we're thinking is going to happen tomorrow. There's no, There are no guarantees. But these are the numbers. What are we going to do about it? Now, this also coincided with a course I really recommend. It's called Financial Freedom. It's an online course to the Portland Underground Graduate School. I happened upon this course because I taught a course earlier in the year on podcasting through them. And that course got into, you know, how much money do you need for retirement? and i've kind of never really given much thought to that answer except that well we're saving when we can and as tony robbins like to say you know hope is not a strategy so that was a that was another really important realization of okay what what would this number need to be and years ago Yeah, we had a financial planner, you know, look at our portfolio and do projections and say, okay, yeah, if you keep saving at this rate and do this, you'll, you know, there's this percentage chance that you'll have enough money when you retire. But again, that was years ago. And and I had just kind of gotten to this mindset of like, well, we don't know. And there's quote, nothing we can do to change it. So we'll just have to hope that it's enough, which is a horrible strategy, by the way. It can be a coping mechanism, but I don't think, I know it's not the path to financial freedom and success. So here are some things that I would challenge people to really consider and figure out for themselves. And, you know, just as a disclaimer, I'm not a financial planner. So, you know, don't hang the rest of your life on on these suggestions, like do your own due diligence. But here are some things I think everyone should know. How much money comes in every month? How much do you need to live on? What are your reserves? So I start I've we've started looking at a spreadsheet that takes how much money we need to live every month and divides it by the amount of cash that we have. I'm sorry, it's the other way around. We take the amount of cash we have and we divide that by the monthly amount that we need every month, and that tells us how many months of cash we have. From one perspective, that's given us some peace of mind. Okay, we've got some good runway. From some other perspectives of like, how long is that runway? Mm, maybe not as long as we would like. Or uh, looking at month to month to month, we're able to say, oh, look, the number of months of cash is not going down. It's static. That's a good thing. Or look, the number of months of cash is going up. That's a, that, that means things are definitely headed in the right direction. Um, but if you don't know how much you need to live every month? you can't do that calculation, so I think everyone should need everyone should know that number, and you should know like what are our reserves and then the other number I think you really need to know is how much money do you need to retire? now there's some quick and dirty ways to do this on the internet. you can google them, you can meet with a certified financial planner. Um, there's many different routes to go at getting this number, but The surprising thing I found through this financial uh, independence course was in some ways it's a big scary number and in other ways it's not a big scary number when I took a look at, okay, what do we have? How many more years would we have to save? What would it look like if we compounded at different rates? And then it becomes another one of these things where it's, The facts; these are the numbers, and what do we want to do about them? And I think there's kind of a process that we go through when that happens. Uh, Maybe, maybe it's like the the grieving, the stages of the grieving process. But it's like, okay, that's really what the number is. Whoa, or wow, that's exciting. And then the reality of, okay, what do we want to do to meet that number? What now? We're taking ownership. Now we're taking action towards what we really want versus the head in the sand approach, which is, well, I don't know what it is. And even if I did know, I couldn't do anything anyway. And maybe there's some reasons why you don't want to know those numbers or the reasons that you don't want to do this work. And I would, I would challenge you to think about like what's underneath that. What is it that you believe about your situation? Or what would it mean if you did the math and found out that you don't have enough money, or is there a certain story you're telling yourself about who you are, or what that means about yourself because your number is too big or too small or whatever. Through this financial freedom class through Portland Odingrad Graduate School, I also discovered this whole world that I kind of knew was out there but I didn't really know about. Uh, the acronym is FIRE, which is Financially Independent Retired Early. I don't subscribe to all of their notions, but That's a, it's like a, it's like a whole nother world that I didn't really realize existed. So learning some interesting things there too. I also relearned the power of a clean desk. Clutter. If there's any reoccurring theme through these stressful last few months, it's been that clutter and not being able to find stuff just amplifies and doubles the stress level. So for about, I don't know how many days during the Christmas holidays, my office, my home office here was a disaster. And it took me probably three or four days to clean it up, of just chipping away at it each day, making little decisions. But now I've got a desk space that only has things on it that I use. I'm able to find what I need. <laughs> and there is just something amazing about walking into it after I've been downtown at the Capital One Cafe. Or out and about, or even starting the day to walking into a desk space that is just completely free of junk and clutter. I also did this in my bedroom. I had clothes and suitcases. It just, anyway, there's just stuff everywhere. And so one morning on a quote work day, I went up there with the vacuum and everything and just went to town and cleaned it all up. So don't underestimate. The power of decluttering and clean, clear spaces when you're under stress. During this time, I also learned the importance of having the right people to talk to, learning and being reminded that certain people are helpful for certain things, and that, you know, one person doesn't have to be your catch all for all areas of your life. My encouragement here would be to stay in regular contact with people that you consider to be part of your support network. Even if it's just a simple, hey, I was thinking of you, is there some way I can help you today? A couple more things along this theme of stress and decluttering was the realization of needing to focus. Consciously choosing what I'm focusing my time on. Prioritizing that focus. And then also just not allowing myself to add more stuff until something else went. So one category there was books. I was reading way too many books. As a result of a journaling exercise one morning, uh, I was discouraged about my health and some just any number of the things going on, realizing that not only seeing these health providers helps me, but also... Doing my own work and doing my part, which was exercise, which is just kind of fallen by the wayside. And so I just started a free writing exercise in my journal, just writing about exercise and reflecting on it in relation to the habits I built over the last well, probably since April of last year around daily journaling using the five minute journal and then a meditation practice where I'm meditating. 10 minutes, twice a day, typically in the morning, typically at night, morning and night in conjunction with writing in the five minute journal and reflecting on like, what is working about this? Why do I, why have I been able to do that so consistently and not these other things? What I found here was that with the journaling, it's simple. It's three prompts in the morning, three things. What am I grateful for? Three things. What it would make today great? Three things. And then A personal affirmation or a personal um, aspiration, you could also call it. And then with meditation, it's like, well, it's 10 minutes. How can I make 10 minutes happen? There's a place to track it. I start the app and that's it. And I'd done it over an extremely long amount of time, which is even a shock to me. What were the keys there? Well, the keys with the journaling and the meditation is that I was gonna do it for at least 41 days. And then if I, you know, failed in my chain of 41 days, I would start over again. So I thought, okay, what could I do with exercise? How could I make exercise easy? And so what I did there was I just said, well, it just has to be 30 minutes. It can take these different forms and I gotta do it for 40 days. And like the journaling and the meditation, I'm not gonna skip a day. That was a that was becoming a very easy cop out of like well you know I've kind of exercised a lot yesterday so you know my body needs to rest and that's bogus. I think body needs to rest, but walking a couple miles is you know in a given day since I've done it for a long time is not a big deal. So I don't need quote a rest day from that. So starting on December thirty first, and now today is January eleventh, I've done that. I've done all these, the the journaling, the exercise, and I've also added in. So this financial freedom class requires a lot of work. And so I just have a a requirement that I have to spend 30 minutes on it every day. It doesn't matter what I get done, but I have to sit and concentrate for 30 minutes every day. And all those books I mentioned earlier that I was reading that I wasn't, that I hadn't, like I set those aside. Once I'm caught up on the financial freedom course and these other things, I may pick some of those books up. I may not. We'll see. So my challenge to you would be, how are the daily routines in your own life, how can you make things into a habit that's not onerous, that just kind of becomes part of your muscle memory? The meditation and the journaling, the only conscious part of it in a given day is making sure that there's time to do it. So planning ahead. If I don't do it, it will pop into my mind later that, oh, you know what? You forgot to do it. But that doesn't happen that often because it's easily achievable. It's an established habit. And I know what I'm going to do. I also, during this time, listened to a really good book on habits called Atomic Habits by James Clear. I highly recommend that book. I listened to the audio form of it and I requested the library when it comes in, I'll just give it another quick skim read to pick out some other good things for it. But please do not fall into the trap of getting a book on habits so that you can finally get your habits going. Like, just get your habits going. (laughs) I think continuing to read and research on these things can become a form of procrastination. The other thing that I'm doing is taking stock of each day. So I created a little log in in a document that's broken into three it's a table that's three it's like three columns, and I'm just reflecting on so the the headings are mind, body, and clients because I'm also um doing a ninety day every single day as part of this new thing that I'm doing. I'm reaching out to a new person every day just to build this habit, I want to build a habit around um being in contact with people. And looking for ways to serve, it naturally also fits into building my business. And the idea behind this is, if I could build a habit, and I believe I can, around interacting with people and serving people and contacting and being in contact the same way that I've done journaling and meditation, the revenue side of my business is eventually going to take care of itself. So in this, and I'm using this document, by the way, to also kind of track the different um health things of like, well, what's working, what's not, what am I noticing? Um when do I feel better? When do I feel worse? Uh and just there's no judgment, there's no real formula to it. It's just I just kind of write down whatever comes to mind, spend five, ten minutes on that uh in the morning, at night if I get a chance, usually at night as well. So that would be another suggestion here as well to just kind of reflect on what's happening. My plan is at the end of this month to go through that and see what did I learn? What are the patterns um, that I see for when things get off track or when I'm not feeling as well as I'd like to? So my challenge to you would be to take a look at your own life. Like what's not working and what are you avoiding? What do you know isn't working, but you're avoiding doing anything about it because you don't know what to do. The story you tell yourself is it'd be too hard to do something about it or something else. And if you want to have a conversation with me about that, love to do it. I have offered in several podcast episodes to have a conversation with anyone that wants to. This past year, one person took me up on that and we ended up having fairly regular contact and we still do. So I'm not saying that just because we have a conversation that we might become best friends. (laughs) But anything is possible. I, I think what I could, I don't, I don't know if I could guarantee it, but I I think that if we have a conversation, we'll both learn something and it'll probably be interesting. So if there's something that, I don't know, sparked your interest in the things that I shared here that I'm learning or struggling with uh, that you'd like to go deeper on, or maybe even, you know, there's a gap or there's something missing and you just like to dig a little deeper with another person, that person be me, love to have a conversation with you. Could also be that maybe your year is off, not off to the start that you'd like it to have, and you want to course correct before it's too late. And one last encouragement around reaching out to me: please don't make up any stories about whether I'm too busy to talk to you, or if what you have to talk about is not important, or um, I'm pretty good at managing my time, except when I'm not. (laughs) Uh, But we'll, you know, my encouragement to you is to reach out. Yeah, even if your year is off to a good start, but you want to supercharge it. Having a conversation can also be another great way to get that going and figure out what that might be. Thanks for listening to The John Polster Show. Notes, links, and all that other good stuff for this episode are at johnpolster.com podcast. Send your questions, ideas, or a simple hello to podcast at johnpolster.com. Want to stay up to date on new episodes and receive notifications of upcoming events? Register your email address at johnpolster.com slash updates.